I learned from, from my mentors that anytime you put money first, you're probably going to make the wrong decision. Anytime you put people first, you'll make the right decision. Wow. And I've really lived by that. We actually don't have any servers. We have musicians and artists and authors, and they're all doing their cool side gigs. And you, you can copy our food, you can copy our architecture, but it takes a lot of guts to turn that music up and let people really express their true selves. Welcome to ProCo 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This show is for people who love Colorado and who are fascinated with stories of Colorado companies and their leaders. Success looks different here. Our lives are multidimensional, and that's why the tagline is Live, Work, Love Colorado. In this episode, I'll be speaking with David Burzon, CEO of Snooze Eatery. You know this great Colorado restaurant, and it's not just Colorado anymore. Snooze has expanded nationwide. David took over as CEO in 2011, and we'll be talking about building a national restaurant brand while maintaining the quality, character, and the feel of a local gem. Dave, thanks for joining us on sure. ProCo 360. Thanks for having me. Let's uh, start, maybe to paint a picture of what Snooze looks like now. Sure. I mean, Snooze is a highly experiential, chef-driven, high-energy breakfast place. We kind of call it, it's, it's not your grandparents' breakfast place, it's not your parents' breakfast place. It's a little loud, it's a little irreverent. People always ask me, you know, how do I know when the music's right? And I always say, mm-hmm. just turn it up till the first person complains <laughs> and leave it right there. <laughs> and that's really where we want to be. Yeah. We hire some really unique people. Uh, we've been fortunate enough, uh, you know, to be blessed with uh, phenomenal sales, and that allows us to grow. Yeah. How'd you get into the restaurant business? You know, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, uh, as you know. Yeah, we talked about that. Uh, yeah, yeah I, as I did. Yeah. Right. And uh, I was finishing up college in in the late '80s when the stock market crashed, and I had a degree in finance, and always thought, I guess, I would go to New York and work. So there were no jobs, so I moved to Aspen, Colorado to ski for mm. a year. I thought mm. that would be fun. And I started working at a little uh, concept called Paradise Bakery that was uh, founded by two brothers, similar to Snooze. Yeah. And, uh, and I loved it. It was really bringing together all the things that I like in, in life, dealing with people, problem solving, uh, being a coach, being a mentor, but also just having fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have to wear a coat and tie. Yeah, for sure. It was, it was, it was pretty nice. So I, I did that for uh, my ski bum year. And I went back to graduate school. And when it was really time to decide what I wanted to do, I always thought I love that business. Mm-hmm. That was a great business to be in. But that is, it's such a hard business, right? Did you, I mean, is, the, is someone coming up through it? I mean, you're working long hours, you're doing grunt stuff, you're doing crap stuff, right? You loved all of that. Yeah, I guess I always saw it. I mean, there, there were definitely some funny times in my life where I, I thought, you know, what what am I doing from yeah. the outside? Yeah. Uh, you know, working in, in restaurants, you know, I'm a 25-year-old guy with an MBA and I'm making cookies and wearing an apron. Yeah, and- I mean, was there a disconnect for you? Like, did you did you say, am I supposed to be doing this here? I've got an MBA. Am I supposed to be wearing an apron? You know, I guess for me, there wasn't. There were always, uh, I always had a perspective of the outside looking in. I was I was single and I could never meet girls because they're, you know, they're, you're that nerdy guy that works behind the counter at yeah, the bakery. Yeah, yeah. But I really saw myself as building a business and building hmm. something special. You know, there's this book that comes to mind that I read several years ago called How Starbucks saved my life. Don't know if you saw it. There was a guy, he was a former Wall Street guy and he was just like total stress, total executive. It was all about sort of who he believed he was supposed 
to be. And he got laid off. And just out of desperation one day, he said, what the hell, I'll go work at Starbucks. And he loved it. And it sort of was a revelation to him that life is different than it doesn't have to be what you perceived yourself as. Absolutely. I um, had an interview with uh, Procter & Gamble, a division of Procter Uh, & Gamble. And when you move along in the interview process, they bring you into Cincinnati to meet with middle management. And so here I am, 23, four years old, and I'm meeting with all these, you know, homogenous guys. Mm. They're all overweight, big bellies. And every question they asked me was, are you going to be a lifer here? Are you going to be a lifer here? You're like, I hope not. God, I hope not. And that's that's what I thought. Gosh, this is going to be me in 20 years. So how do I avoid this? And uh, and once again, I just love the restaurant business. Mm. Well, you were with Paradise Bakery, which... It's the same as Panera. Was did it become Panera Bread? We sold our business sold to Panera Bread. So correct. you were there for twenty-two years, yes. right? And so you started at the bottom. You worked your way up. What um, you know? What do you think was the key to sort of your approach to that business that made you successful? Well, I always had this approach of I'm going to be an owner at this business. So mm-hmm. uh, f- during my ski year, um, you know, when I was 22 years old, I became friendly with the two brothers that were mm-hmm. the founders of the business. Ultimately, became my mentors, and uh, we kept yeah. in touch. And when I finished school and said this is what I want to do, I called them and I said I want to be a partner in your business. Uh, kind of cocky for that age, and they said, you know, come in, make a difference, do something. And we'll make you a partner in our business. How so cool is that? It was pretty cool. And did you stay? Did you did you continue to have that warm and mentoring mentee relationship over the years? All the time. Um, mm. And and uh, you know w- those guys retired in our sale in two thousand and nine, and I still keep in touch with them mm-hmm. all the time. Pretty that's much. really cool. So it's great. And then you decided to join a restaurant group that could change the world. That's a pretty, I saw that on your website right. so or on your bio. So um, did that happen? It did. And what, what happened for me was we, uh, my two partners were 20 years older than I was. And we were not for sale at Paradise, but Panera Bread approached us. And uh, my partner and mentor, uh, Danny Patterson, great guy, was captain of two Olympic volleyball teams, mm. just a real motivational guy. Uh, you know, he came to me and said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, mm. you know, Dan, here's the deal. And this is now a dozen years ago. He said, uh, you know, I, I said, Dan, you know, I'm running this business. Finally, mm-hmm. this is the kind of deal I want to do in, in 20 years. And, um, you know, I'm only 40. And he said, well, the problem is I'm going to be 80. Yeah. So, and I yeah. love these guys. So uh, we sold the business. Uh, I went to work for four years under agreement with Panera. Uh, I always say I learned as much in that four-year time as I did in my previous uh, 18, 19 uh, as an entrepreneurial business, because it was a big public company. Mm -hmm. It was great. I knew I wasn't going to do it long-term. But you probably learned a lot about scaling. Learned a lot about scaling, just learned a a lot about the real world of the restaurant business and, and, and raising capital. But ultimately, when I left, and I knew I would leave, uh, I took about a year and a half off with my mm. family. Our goal was to move to Colorado, so we packed up and and moved to Carbondale, a little yeah. town outside of uh, outside of Aspen. And uh, and you know, I really felt depressed for the first time in my life. I did not, you know, I was always getting up early and mm. ready to hit it hard and love what I was doing. But I also felt a little bit of a letdown in that we had a great company, we worked with great people, 
but did I really make a difference? You know, did I really do something my kids would be extremely proud of that I could look back and say, hey, we made a difference. And that's when I kind of said to uh, people, I want to find a restaurant business that can change the world. Hmm. And, uh, And I spent a year and a half going all over the country looking at really cool different businesses and was getting pretty frustrated. And uh, finally, a friend of mine uh, that uh, from New York City actually said, have you heard of this place in Denver called Snooze? Huh. Drove down there the next day, wow. uh, went to all the locations here in Colorado, was blown away, knew mm. this was what I wanted to do, huh. met with the founders the next week, uh, and we had a transaction shortly after. Wow, so you bought Snooze. I came in with a private equity group. So a right. private equity firm ah. uh, bought the business, uh, Different than the last time where you transitioned in. Exactly. Wow. Good for you. So, you know, one of the, when you talk about a business that will change the world, I, I do want to talk some about your view of sustainability and the mission around that with Snooze. I want to come to that in a little bit because I think that has a lot to do with how you're positioning this business to change the world, right? Sure. And changing the world to me, it really meant, you know, I realized at, at Paradise Bakery, great product. I was incredibly proud. And we put a lot of waste in the trash, right? Mm. Half of our business was take out to go. Uh, I always thought it odd that we hired these amazing people, great personalities. So we said, hey, we're going to hire you, Dave, for your personality. Uh, And then we said, put on these khaki pants, this polo shirt, and this name tag, right? Yep. So at Snooze, it's, it's really the opposite. So, you know, we really take those missions seriously. You can see in the staff, and I've been at several locations, that individualism is promoted, hired, celebrated, accepted, the whole bit. Absolutely. Uh, You know, we call ourselves, we say we're breakfast, but different. And that means not only is our food different, our atmosphere different, but our people are different. And they look at the world through a different lens and they care about the world. And I will go to orientations to this day. I still try to go to all the orientations Mm. of our new restaurants. And I'll ask people, I'll say, how many people here have been in the restaurant business before? They all raise their hands because we Mm. usually hire experienced people. And I'll say, how many people had to wear a uniform? And they Ah. all raise their hands. Yeah. How many people hated it? And they all raise their hands. And Ah. and then they start cheering because they really get to be themselves. But Mm -hmm. we take it very seriously. We call it a social contract. Mm. And that means that uh, we're going to allow you to be yourself. That's why we hired you. Let your let your mm. personality shine through. You can have tattoos, nose yeah. rings, pink hair. We don't care. So is this all the vision when you did the transaction to buy Snooze? Was this the whole vision? Like, this is the kind of company I want to have, I want to build, I want to grow and be part of. Company I want to be a part of for sure. And John yeah. and Adam Schlegel, two Denver-born mm-hmm. and, and, and bred brothers that yep. founded the concept, I mean, the culture really comes out of them to a great extent. John was all about hospitality, uh, and Adam was all about how do you use business Hmm. to do good in the world. Well, I want to ask about that. First, I want to remind listeners, this is ProCoast 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with David Burzon, CEO of Snooze Eatery, and this is a great time to thank our sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, MicroStar Keg Logistics, and Kinsley Meetings. These great service companies support Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. Thanks also to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and ProCo360. And David, you said how you had purchased the business. What do you think, because you've changed it a lot since you bought it, 
and the private equity group that support. Right. What do you think were the key couple of things the founders did right to position the company for where you wanted to take it? I think, you know, look, the best restaurant businesses that we all love going to, it's the restaurants that we can't get enough of. You know, they have this magical combination of food, ambiance, and people when you think about it, right? Food always first, because we mm-hmm. all go to restaurants with uh, great food and even mediocre service or ambiance mm. because we crave the food, right? Yeah. We want the food. None of us go to restaurants with mediocre food and great service and great ambiance. So the, the uh, food- yeah, actually, I think we have many. Well, actually, Casa Bonita has been around forever. So. <laughs> well, that, 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 that's a little bit of an institution, uh, yes, isn't it? Yes. Isn't it? That's a, that's a have to go. Uh, yeah. That's a have to go, even though I'm not brave enough to go. Uh, yes. Um, but getting back, you say food comes first in your world. So food comes first. So they hit upon uh, really uh, the right place at the right time. Uh, 30 years ago, chef-driven restaurants, you know, began to, to hit the scene in the United States and chefs became rock stars and mm-hmm. dinner places. And then that carried over into the lunch segment with kind of quick casual and these right. finer kind of um, fast food establishments. No one had ever applied those chef-driven principles to breakfast before. So that's one key thing. One, Was there another piece that one you key think thing. they brought? The atmosphere. I think mm-hmm. really cool, hip atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, my first thought when I walked into Snooze that day that I drove mm-hmm. down was, this is so clever. No one has done anything different with mm. breakfast in this country for 40 years. Denny's, IHOP, Village yeah, Inn. Yeah. When you think about it, it's all the same. Uh, although I can think of a few single unit restaurants in Boulder and Denver and other places that have done this, but not as a concept. Right. So what makes what was done with snooze expandable as a concept versus like these individual, you know what I'm thinking? Sure. I mean, we, we have a saying, I think there are restaurant companies that grow and then there are restaurant growth companies and restaurant companies that just grow, you know, they're satisfied with their concept. It's good enough. They're satisfied with their execution, you know, maintaining the status Mm -hmm. quo. They open that next restaurant when they've saved up enough money or can, can beg, borrow and steal to open up that next restaurant. They just want to open more of the same locations and they define quality by the lack of making mistakes. Right. Yeah. Then there's restaurant growth companies. And, and that's really the attitude that, that, we had. And we had to ask ourselves, what are we going to be when we grow up? And restaurant growth companies, they're continually evolving their concept. They leverage their business model as they grow. They open more locations, but even better locations. Good is never good enough. So this is what I wanted to talk. One of the key things that I think is intriguing about your world. Most, and, and you're doing a good job differentiating between why snooze can be successful um, as an expanded concept versus the ones that just feel like chains, kind of crappy chains. Sure. And and somehow Snooze has really made that work. And one of the things that struck me as I was doing some research is the focus on sustainability. I listened to an interview on how I built this with the co-CEOs of Allbird. They said they got advice that consumers only care about sustainability after the product itself. So do you agree with that? Do you think it's snooze, the food comes first and then sustainability or how, what's agree, your thinking? Agree a hundred percent. We always say quality comes first. That we're, you know, we're in the restaurant business. People are coming to us because they need craveable food. And so we can't ever, we, we would never pick something that is sustainable, but, but doesn't taste as good. Mm-hmm. What we do is spend a lot of time trying to solve that puzzle. And how do we make it, uh, how do we responsibly source 
yet maintain that great quality. And, you know, many restaurant companies, as they grow, they dummy it down, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. actually, as you grow, for whatever reason, and it's the story that that is the time immemorial in our industry, is things become less special. So how do you mm. take a restaurant mm. business and grow and use that size and scale to become more special, more relevant to your guests? Mm. Well, it almost seems as though... I mean, I'm looking here at a page from your website that's your sustainability report. It talks about your 2020 goals and progress. I mean, this is more than a trendy deal for you guys, right? It is. It's it's, it's culturally part of who we are. It's part of our DNA. So internally, if I ask uh, our people, why did they join Snooze? The majority of them will say, because you believe what we believe. And that is a big deal Mm. in today's day and age. And especially with younger millennial employees, they're looking for something more than just a job. And it's actually, when you think about it, the same thing as being a real brand, like an Apple, or I'd like to Mm -hmm. think like a snooze uh, versus any other business. When you, you know, when you, you really stand for something bigger than just the product itself. Well, in today's marketplace too, where everybody's fighting for employees. Has that, have you seen a noticeable impact of people wanting to work at Snooze? Yeah. I mean, it's tough out there. It's the toughest I've ever seen the industry. That being said, we just opened our first location in Charlotte um, and we didn't have any brand recognition in Charlotte, but people do their research today Mm. and we had over 700 applications. Wow! So it really does make a difference. And, Mm. you know, we we believe in taking care of our people and and being a family and putting our money where our mouth is. I've, Mm -hmm. I've always said... You know, it's one thing I've heard the CEOs of some big fast food companies, uh, you know, say we're all about our culture. And I yeah. thought to myself, oh, gosh, they I thought to myself uh-huh. come on, I've been in your place. Yeah. People look like they jump out the window. People, the could. most important thing. People are most important right. asset. People, And then people quit because they hate it. What's Yeah, exactly. So you've got to put your money where your mouth yeah. is. I mean, if, if you truly, uh, I was fortunate at a very young age. You know, I learned from from my mentors that anytime you put money first, you're probably going to make the wrong decision. Anytime mm-hmm. you put people first, you'll make the right decision. Wow! And I've really lived by that. Hmm. Can you think of an example mm. recently? I mean, you know, we we're a big company right now. We've yeah. got a, about twenty two hundred uh, employees, thirty eight locations. And you said thirty eight locations, mm-hmm. and we'll open four more before the end of the year. And you simply can't put you've got to put the people first. And, you know, unfortunately at our size, we start to mimic the real world. Uh, we, we had a, a tragic death of one of our employees and, you know, you close the restaurant, you bring in uh, support for the staff. You're there with the staff. Um, I got on an airplane, you know, I was driving up to Vail for the weekend, heard about it, turned around, drove straight to the airport, got on an airplane. I mean, you've got to be there. It's like, it, it is like being a parent. And I mm. use that as a, as, as a, as a family example, yeah. meaning you do anything for your kids and, mm. and I will do anything for my teammates. Wow. That's cool. You know, I, I was, I, I remained fascinated at the difference between companies that successfully grow like snooze and the ones that, that I disdain because they feel like a chain. Right? right, you go into a snooze and it's got a high. No matter which one you go into, it's high energy, it's upbeat, and I don't feel like I'm part of a of a rep- repetitive yeah. concept. Right, and one of the things I 
in my search, try to figure that out. One of it is talking with you. The, the other is, you know, in researching for this conversation, it seemed that fans of snooze support you as a cause and as a thing beyond the restaurant itself. I can't get my hands around, but it feels like that. What's your take? I think there is this great relationship. You know, we really stress, and you said the word uh, when we began this interview, individuality. So snooze is all about individuality. People say, who are your guests? All kinds of guests. You know, everyone from, yes, we get a great share of young hip millennials and, and, and hipsters and the kids that are out there and they, you know, they live in all the great cool apartment, you know, they spend all their money on where they live and going out to eat. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great age to be. That being said, we get uh, people from every age and all over the place. And I really believe the desire of our snoozers, our employees are to be their true selves. Um, and the desire of our guests are kind of to be a part of that collective. They hmm. want to be a part of that and live vicariously through our people. Um, I was asked by our marketing team, you know, not long ago that they, re, you know, they, they said, you know, we really want to position Snooze as an aspirational brand. I said, okay, hmm. I kind of get that. But mm-hmm. the, you know, usually you hear that with retail or something yeah, like yeah. Cool, cool sunglasses or, or headphones. Yeah. And I thought, what is about Snooze that is aspirational? Huh, that's and a for good me, question. the answer really came to me. It's really our employees. Like, I want to be our employees. They are cool. They see the world through a different lens. I mean, they want to change the wow. world. They're into sustainability, community, and they're not about their job. We, we actually don't have any servers. We have musicians and artists and authors, and they're all doing their cool side gigs. And I wasn't raised that way, right? I, you know, you were, I, you were identified by your job title. Yeah, and 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 I, you know, I was told to do this, do that, do that, and I pretty much did it. And then you wake up one day and you realize, well, gosh, there's a pretty cool world mm, out there. Mm. And these young people are that. And they make wow. up our, our, our business. And to your earlier point, the best compliment we can ever get is when someone says, I didn't realize you were a chain. Yeah. I want to go back to that. I, I'm, uh, it's bouncing around in my head what you just explained, that creating an aspirational brand around wanting to be with your employees, that's something I've never heard before. I mean, I've always kidded around because I, I estimate, you know, to me, like, like Gore-Tex is an aspirational brand because probably, you know, 90% of the people who wear it never get it wet. Right. right? So, so, <laughs> so, but I, I, so I think about what you said about having your employees tie your, yourself to an aspirational brand. It's really kind of profound. I, I'm trying to get my head around it. Yep. People really do meet their favorite snoozer. And, you know, what we've experienced as we've grown I'll start, I'll go into the restaurants, talk to people, and I'll realize, well, you know, you have a snooze just a mile down the street, hmm. and this one's across town, and they'll say, yeah, but this is my snooze. Like, this is, wow. these are my people. Hmm. So we really give our teammates license to go out there and do what it takes to create a great guest experience, uh, but also just to, hmm. once again, be themselves. And yeah. there's a lot of knockoffs out there, and everyone's chasing us, because right now, no one's doing what we're doing, but everyone realizes it. We're getting chased down in of all course. different corners. Oh, of course. And even the big companies. But I, you know, I know that our moat is always that people piece. Hmm. And you, you can copy well, our food, you can copy our architecture. Yeah, yeah. 
but it takes a lot of guts to turn that music up and let people really express their true selves. Well, and most, getting back to a point you said earlier, most people who have an ambition to build a big business put money before people when they come to making decisions. And that, to your point, is that moat, right? It's a mindset that will never let them succeed the way you do if you're truly putting people first and they're putting financial decisions first. I can't see that they can cross that moat. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Reminding listeners, this is ProCo360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with David Burzon, CEO of Snooze Eatery. Go to ProCo360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. Please don't forget to rate ProCo360 in your app when you finish this episode. And David, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. You won a nice award through Ernst Young Entrepreneur of the Year. I know, you know, no one who wins these awards thinks they do it themselves. They always understand and credit others. If you were mentoring someone else, though, in this context, I mean, what personal quality are you most grateful for that you feel has led to you to to where you are? Tough question. Um, probably never. I know this sounds kind of homespun, but never getting too big for my britches. Uh, I can credit my uh, parents for that upbringing. Hmm. But how's uh, that? Truly, you know, truly, we we are a team, and I view that the things that I do during the day are may, might be different than what our busser does or what a server does. But we're all of, I really view all of us as equal importance within Snooze. Mm-hmm. I actually view the people at the restaurants way more important than, than mm-hmm. what I do because yeah. I'm not touching any guests on a day-to-day basis, yeah. right? Yeah. So I can't do my job without yeah. them doing their job. Uh, and I, you know, I really enjoy and have maintained this passion for what I do. This has never become a business or a business model. I love going into the restaurants. It's where yeah. I get my energy. I'll, I'll still take serving sections every now and then. That's cool. Uh, so, so do you still, are you still owned in part by private equity investors? We are. So how do you tell them, you know, stay out of this? Like this is not a financial mechanism for you to make wealth on a day-to-day basis. It may be a great investment, right? But if you can't run it that way. Right. We do recognize it's news. Look, profit creates possibilities, yeah. right? We want to grow in order to change the world. We know that we're doing it one community at a time. So our goal is to be in a lot of communities and really have a big impact. And uh, capital is a necessary piece sure. of our business, right? And yeah. picking that right partner. I mean, we were fortunate. Uh, we've done a couple private equity deals now. We've got uh, two. We've we've been in 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 business with two world class partners, mm. and we actually had choice, which was great because we picked a partner whose values align with our own. They believe what we believe. They believe in our mission, and they understand the things that we're doing that make us special. I mean, look, the next closest competitor we have in this country. Uh, truly does a million dollars a year less in annual volume than we do. Well, that's only one store. Uh, what's that? That's only one store. <laughs> that's not that much. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. So, uh, and IHOP's open 24 mm-hmm. seven. Uh, you know, we do over a million dollars more volume than Wait, a million dollars gross or a million dollars per store. What we do, do a million dollars more in annual revenue than our next closest competitor. 
which is uh, pretty significant. Hmm. Uh, and we believe the reason for that is because all of these pieces that we bring together to create this amazing environment that people really crave, that people mm-hmm. um, see themselves being a part yeah, of. Yeah. So you've you've multiple times said something about a restaurant that can change the world. Right. Right. What does that really mean? Because to uh, to change the world by serving people breakfast, I don't get it. Changing the world by serving people breakfast, it means we're, look, we are a business and we create a great working environment for our people. And I always say that whether you're with us for six months or six years, we want this to be the best time of your life hmm. and something you look back proud upon. But really, it's the responsible sourcing. It's um, it's what we get. We give 1% back into all of our communities. That is a big deal. We're trying yeah. to set this stage. And part of our mandate is not that we do it, but we try to get other restaurant mm-hmm. companies to do this. So uh, I know you know from your notes, we recycle and compost over 90% of everything yeah. that comes through our door. That's over 10 million pounds of waste diverted from landfills. Yeah. And I've gone to developers when we've signed leases, and these are big national REITs, biggest mall developers you can think of. And we'll say, well, one of our requirements is we write into our lease that we have your permission to compost. Wow. And they've said to me, no one has ever asked us that before. Wow. And our goal is that everyone asks us and that people Mm -hmm. finally stop asking because it's just part of the way we do business. That's cool. And there is a level of integrity demonstrated, I believe, through your website, through your documentation of your work. And you even have a phrase that says something like, if we were perfect, we wouldn't have to keep working at this. And and I admire that. I think it's great because you're transparent in your efforts, but it it seems permanent. Oh, it's it's permanent. And you know, our goal is to be a hundred percent responsibly sourced within the next few years. But uh, going back to your your comment earlier on quality versus sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, and responsible sourcing, we have been trying to get a nitrate-free bacon for like two years now. Really? And we just had another bacon tasting last week. Hmm. And apparently nitrate tastes great because we have yet to be able to match that quality. Wow. So we won't do it. We're not going to make the move and we're transparent. We tell people, hey, we're trying really hard to solve this one. We're not quite there yet. Hmm. Uh, But we know we're going to crack the code. We well, there's not much better in life, in my view, than bacon. Great bacon. And maybe bacon, it's the- Bacon goes well with everything. It, it does. Name, name one thing that doesn't it go does. well with bacon. Well, tell me uh, about this nickname, Old Major. Sure. So it's snooze. Everybody gets a nickname. No matter who you are, you get a nickname. And I always tell people, uh, you know, you're, you should. You can either tell people, hey, this is my nickname, or you're going to get one. And <laughs> my nickname was given to me, and it is Old Major. And Old Major was the- pig in George Orwell's animal farm that led all the other animals to revolution. So really cool name, really fitting for snooze. But my joke within, within the company is that, wait a minute, he gets killed off in like chapter three. What are you you trying to tell me here? Funny, funny that this comes up right after you tell me that you can't find the, the bacon, the nitrate free bacon. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's, um, let's talk about longevity because I'm also curious about this. Um, other than Starbucks, it seems like all multi-unit brands ultimately die a slow and painful death. So what do you do to prevent that? We're cognizantly aware of this. I mean, we talk about this a lot. Hmm. Uh, I love nothing more than if I happen to be in the car with one of my (laughs) senior executives driving them by a macaroni grill that's gone out of business Mm -hmm, or an mm -hmm. on the border 
and just say, look, this is a fact of our business. And these, it's funny, I work with a lot of young people, obviously, and they don't believe me when I tell them, and you'll remember this, that TGI Fridays at one point was the hottest restaurant company anyone had ever seen. Two to three hour waits every night. No one can imagine it. And yet it it, it is now irrelevant. So how Mm. do you continue to stay relevant? Which I think Starbucks has done an exceptional job with. And we talk about this. We talk about, we have to be able to manage change. Our business is going to change. It's not going to be the same two years from now Mm -hmm. than it is from today. And it can't be the same five years from now than it is from today. Talk about, okay, I almost forgot to bring this up and I was wanting to do it. Two key questions that I've always wondered about snooze. One is the lines. And, And of course the lines are there because people love it. Right. And yet- people turn around with a sense of, I just got punched in the stomach sometimes like, dang it. I can't, you know, how do you think about that? How do you deal with that? Best, best and worst thing of our business, right? Yeah. People look as you guys are so lucky you have all these great lines. It's actually a problem we've been working to solve. And actually this month you can now go on and download our snooze app and you can actually put your name on the wait list from home. And we recognized, gosh, if you have a family with young kids, yeah. you're not going to take them and wait in that line. Yeah. Not everybody likes to have a cocktail meanwhile they're waiting. So you're uh-huh. not going to stand outside and, and, and wait on the mm-hmm. corner. But now you can go on, put your nice. name on the list, and pretty much show up around the time your table's going to be ready. Great. And we literally just rolled this out this past month, and we believe that this will be a great amenity to yeah. our guests and Good. really solve a longstanding problem. I'm going to download that. Great. My other question, this is one that... that I've always been curious about how come some restaurants like snooze can deliver food, especially breakfast food hot and others cannot seem to do it. I appreciate the compliment. We try, we focus. Is there like a Uh, magic secret to this? You know, the secret it's, it's pretty simple. We're pretty blue collar, right? We're, we're manufacturing, right? We have a manufacturing plant back there in in what we call the heart of house is what Mm. most people call their kitchens. We call the heart of house. And it's a manufacturing plant and quality is everything. And we've got great people and we have a a, a nomenclature within Snooze that is called perfect plate. So we expect every plate to be perfect. And literally uh, it's someone's job to say that that plate is good enough to leave leave Mm. the door and and get served to our guests. And I I always say this and and I say this one thing to my team more than any other thing. And it's that, look guys, this is pretty cool. We've got this big corporate structure we call our mothership now. We have 39 people working there. Uh, when I started, we had three. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking about strategy. And I'm flying to New York to work on lending and all these kind of big picture things. None of this matters if a guest doesn't walk out of snooze saying that was an amazing breakfast. Yeah. None of it matters. Yeah. It all comes down to what's on that plate. And it better be hot if it's meant to be. Better be hot. Yeah. So how long, just because I'm fascinated by this, how long from the time it's done cooking to the time it gets to the to the customer is makes that work? You're looking at 30 seconds, a minute? We're probably talking about a minute and a half. Yeah. Um, eggs, you know, eggs are brutal. Yeah. Uh, everybody, you know, delivery and takeout is the big thing in our industry. And You can't and, do takeout uh, eggs. You know, we can't get eggs from from the kitchen to your table <laughs> without getting cold. Yeah. And eggs Benedict don't travel well. But yeah. we, we know that, that some people actually, we mm. actually do a decent amount of takeaway. Mm. But uh, it's difficult. Yeah. And we just put a lot of resources behind it. Good for you. Uh, 
final questions. Um, keeping focused on the theme of this Proco 360 podcast, which is world-class entrepreneurs who choose Colorado, what have you found about Colorado as the home for snooze? Colorado is an amazing market. I mean, I've been coming here for years, obviously. It's funny, when I was based in Phoenix with Paradise Bakery and we had uh, we had locations here, I could never really figure Denver out. You know, this is 20-something years mm-hmm. ago. It behaved um, very blue collar uh, from an economic standpoint. If there was a slight shift in the economy, everyone's restaurant sales went down. When it would went a slight shift up, everyone's restaurant sales went up. Well, that's changing. And it literally a lot, yeah. overnight, I mean, this has become a world class city with tech, with great restaurants. You know, the cool thing about cities outside of LA, New York, Chicago, at one point, Denver's starting to uh, get out of its adolescence and and, and grow up. Um, rents were less expensive yeah. and you got great chefs coming from all over the country to open up these cool restaurants. Uh, Denver has great neighborhoods. Not a lot of cities have really delineated mm. different mm. neighborhoods, whether it's Cherry Creek yeah, or Well, that's Wash perfect Park for snooze Lohi, then because you can become Rhino. part of a neighborhood. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. So last question. What, what do you think you've learned since you've been at snooze um, along this journey that made you um, happiest? that you took this job, took this project? That it always, and it, it always has been and always will be about people. People say, gosh, this business is so difficult. What do you do? What are your top three things? Mm, yeah. It's one thing. It is people. We are in the people business. If we don't have great people that care about us um, as a business, that care about our guests, that care about our food, we can never execute. So, you know, from a cultural standpoint, we're blessed to have this amazing culture, but we also have a staff that understands it's not enough just to be strong with a people culture. You've got to have this culture of execution and the discipline to get things done. Hmm. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. So uh, I'm going to wrap up. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And today I'm Proco360. You've been listening to my conversation with David Burzon, CEO of Snooze Eatery. I'm a huge fan. Thanks for joining me, Dave. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you, it was, it was fun. I've, you've answered a number of the things that made me most curious and most fascinated about what I think is a really tough and interesting business. Listeners, thanks for joining me on Proco360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to show sponsors, Microstar Keg Logistics, Community Banks of Colorado, Kinsley Meetings, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. Thanks to Mike here at Third and James Studios. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado. Colorado.